We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm Adam McGee. And I'm Andrew Snyder. And you're listening to Make Time for This, probably part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast family. Andrew, I can't believe it, but I have you on the podcast and we are talking about what could only be described as a television show. This is a great rarity in the year. Uh, 2023 it wouldn't have been even just a half decade ago when uh, I would immerse myself in all of the uh, popular shows that come out in a given year so I could be up to date on the water cooler talk but that you know is a very a very distant memory for me now it really takes something special for me to devote myself to let's let's say six to ten hours of a critically acclaimed drama as H. John uh, Benjamin's character says to Aziz Ansari and Master of None. Uh, was that, that, was, a that the last, was that the last TV show you watched? <laughs> no, but it was just a callback to the, the era for which that would have been appropriate and, and it felt really resonant right now. But here we are. It's something zeitgeisty and something that I feel like I need to watch and uh, we're here to talk about it. Yeah, you need to watch it because I said, Andrew, I need you to watch this show so we can podcast on it. I don't know how often we will. Maybe it's something that like, we check in on near weekly for a few minutes here or there. We Maybe something we just circle back to at the end. Or maybe, as has been the case, like when we did a Lord of the Rings episode at the start, we just went, nah, we never talked about that ever again. So we'll find out. I don't feel like that is going to be the case here. The show in question is The Last of Us. The latest big splashy primetime Sunday night HBO event show. Of course, The Last of Us is an adaptation of the critically acclaimed and smash hit video game, The Last of Us. And part of the wider series has a sequel game too. For those who've listened to the pod um, through a couple of its different iterations, uh, probably right around this time last year. 
maybe even the year before. God, time goes fast, Andrew. Um, we would have done a roundup of our favorite pop culture things of the year that weren't movies. And at the end of 2020, so the beginning of 21, so two years ago, um, one of the things that I was probably on the back of a six, seven, eight month spell of just raving constantly about uh, was The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part 2, which was released at that time. I started playing the game. I'd always been intrigued by it. Picked it up really cheap on the PlayStation Store in the early days of the pandemic when we're in lockdown here. I was like, well, so I can't go to the cinema. What am I going to do? Uh, I had no work. I was literally just like, oh, well, this is life now. I guess I'm going to play games. Picked up The Last of Us, which obviously uh, the subject matter was pretty resonant. Um, made things all the more eerie, all the more gripping. But I just got completely lost and absorbed in the game like I never have in any other game before. That continued true to when The Last of Us Part 2 came out. I played the two of them over and over and over again. And uh, really, I'd still be doing that now if just I could find the time to do it. I I love both games very deeply, and I was very excited for this adaptation. Things like this don't always work out very well, but this going to HBO in the first place was encouraging. It came after uh, rights reverted following a failed movie adaptation um, that Sam Raimi was attached to produce for a number of years. This adaptation is co-created by Neil Druckmann, who was the co-creator of The Last of Us, the game, and is, I believe, the president of um, the studio of, of Naughty Dog, who create The Last of Us, and Craig Mazin, who was the creator and showrunner of Chernobyl, the show which obviously was a pretty big deal and pretty zeitgeisty in its own right, Probably about two years ago, 18 months ago, too, at this point. So interesting people involved. A really intriguing list of directors, which I guess we'll talk some more about the ins and outs of that later. And strong cast led by Pedro Pascal as Joe and Bella Ramsey of Ellie as Ellie. Um, before we really kind of go into nuts and bolts and dive in a whole lot further here, Andrew... I know the answer to this question, but I just want to ask it and get out of the way and let you talk about it for a while. So, do you want to tell me about your relationship to The Last of Us before you fired up episode one of the HBO show on Sunday night? Yeah, uh, we'll uh, get get this underway with a little bit of a story about how this came about. Uh, it just tells you a little bit about who I am as a person and my eccentricities uh i don't know how to express comfort or love to other human beings in a normal way so i had a friend who i can't remember i think it was i think the reason for me doing this is that the pandemic had really shut down like his profession in totality he was a hockey broadcaster and he's just sitting at home not being able to do what he loves and what he's great at so i i felt bad so i sent him a copy of nhl 23 or nhl 22 whatever the uh the uh era of that game was and then he was like, not so fast, buddy. And it got into that like that episode of The Office where Dwight and uh, Andy keep trying to one up uh, nice gestures to one another. And he's like, 
this isn't a new game, but it's incredible. You need to play it. I'm going to reciprocate this gesture. I'm sending you The Last of Us. Uh, so I, I just tried to play it. Funnily enough, I got basically to the point where the first episode <laughs> wraps up and was unable to move beyond it from there. But for some reason, with the uh, first-person shooters, and even this in like the third-person sense, where there's a lot of like shifting of the camera, uh, it makes me feel like I'm on a long car ride and am just terribly carsick. So every time I get 20 minutes into this game, I feel like I need to throw up. That being said, getting uh, through this episode has made me want to revisit it and give it another shot. Uh, so I think that'll happen at some point in the next couple weeks when I've got some free time or can't sleep. But that is my experience with The Last of Us. So uh, slight knowledge of the general storyline and two to three hours of gameplay <laughs> that made me sick. Really, like, coming in hot with the credentials here. Just, you know, motion sickness took you down. So, I mean, you've, at least, as you said, you'd probably been prepared for this much of the Last of Us story from how far you got. And that's what you were served up on episode one of the show. I guess to, to just give some of the wider context, because... I don't know if we've ever talked about games on this podcast, except for maybe when I last shouted out The Last of Us. I, it's, I don't think it's really who either of us are. We are... I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. I, I play games from time to time, but I'm very much a casual gamer. Something every now and then will catch my attention. Where I'm like, that sounds interesting. I'll hear it's really, really great. Or for the vast majority of the time, I'm like, oh... I'm playing sports game X or sports game Y, which I think also very much fits your profile as a gamer. The other day, that, that's literally me. This is like my most boomer trait is that just like, I'm so bad at like the video <laughs> games that my generation is supposed to be good at, like the Halos and the Call of Duties of the world. The other day, uh, I was like, I'm looking at my, um, the screen on my Xbox uh, and seeing which games I have downloaded, all sports games. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I just picked up the new uh, the new PGA Tour game. I was making birdies with Tony Finau, and I was like, you know, I saw as I was scrolling for that. I saw the new Call of Duty. Do I do I want do I want to see if like maybe things have changed and I'm better equipped to learn it now? And I was like, no, you had The Last of Us. If you're going to go back to a game, you're going to do that. So it's just a really really sad state of affairs with my gaming and. FIFA is about as consistent as I get. Everything else is just, it, it's tough in, in these streets, Adam. Sure is. It's tough in these streets for you. For me, the, the Last of Us and The Last of Us Part 2, which I kind of blur into one because I didn't come to playing the game when it was first released in 2013. Um, so really it was the remastered version that I was playing um, when I first picked it up, which is something that doesn't hurt a whole lot. The game has since been remastered again for PS5, and Andrew, you can bet your bottom dollar that someday when I can get my hands on a PS5, uh, I don't know to what extent this is still an issue in the US, very much still an issue here. Um, I stopped waiting and, and just got whatever I have now. It's probably not even good. <laughs> look, I'm I'm also, if I was really motivated, I would have got one, but it's more like every now and then I'll be like, you know what? I'll get a PS5, and then I'm like, oh, it's still at a point where you can't just decide you want to buy this thing and buy it. You've got to be actively kind of working towards that. 
Um, you have to meet meet a guy like where Pedro Pascal met that soldier. Yeah, yeah that still goes on. <laughs> Absolutely. We could do it. Joel the Smoker to help us out on that front. The game has since been remastered again for PS5. Um, I think the thing for me, I remember talking to something of this effect when we did that part a couple of years ago. And I had just never played a game that felt quite like it, that felt as cinematic. It's not a revelatory thing to say that about The Last of Us. Um, but the cinematics within, the cutscenes are truly something that I never really found myself looking to skip, which no matter when you hear people say that about other games, I'd always generally found that. Um, I thought the storytelling was really, really powerful, smart, and the world building was next level. And the combination of the things together were getting at something which I guess is relevant to my interests. I, I do from time to time like some you know, some dark post-apocalyptic storytelling, Andrew. It's definitely something that I would say is in my wheelhouse. Um, and this very much kind of fit into that while also bringing elements that, again, when I first started playing this in the middle of a global pandemic, were all the more potent, we'll say, and led to a much greater high from playing the game. And I, I think... There's, there haven't been too many things in any form of media. People hear us like collectively come on this podcast and sing the praises of things all the time and advocate for things we love. Very, very few things, including movies, have landed with me the way that those two games did. Um, So to set up coming into a TV series that's a pretty dangerous place. And it's obviously a place that a lot of people are going to come to this from. Um, There is the undoubted baggage that the history of video game adaptations is truly and utterly horrific. It is not an area where, whether it be film or TV, there is something even resembling an okay track record. Generally, these things end up being very, very bad. Although I would argue there hasn't been a whole lot that has had the kind of the bones in place that The Last of Us has to to function crossing over from one medium to the other. And yet there's still a lot here that I was kind of intrigued by when I actually got to see it of how my brain processed certain things differently with it being a TV show as opposed to when it was a game for me. Um... Let's let's start by kind of breaking down. I guess we'll we'll set up what the story is and the world is, and then we'll we'll discuss how the first episode unfolds. Because for me, this was something much like I guess anytime someone's read a book, which is a much more traditional kind of adaptation process. Part of what you have in mind is okay. How exactly will this be structured? If it's being structured episodically, you might have in your own head where would an opening episode end and what are the kind of points that you're going to work with from there I had a very clear idea in place of where the first episode of Last of Us would end and it didn't end there I have since found out it originally was planned to end there and someone at HBO was like nah let's just put episode 1 and 2 together the game opens with what is essentially a prologue 
um, I guess the last day of normal life um, in the world for the characters that we're going to come to know and love and follow around this world. We're in Texas with Joel, a father who, and the TV show anyway, is turning 36 on this day. His daughter, Sarah, um, who I guess is approaching mid-teens, somewhere in the early teens to mid-teens range. And his brother, Tommy, is a character who kind of drops in, we get to know quite quickly, works with Joel. And in the game, you get a very, very brief sense of what life is like. We get a little bit more in the show. But we are at the beginning of, I don't know what we'll describe it, Andrew, a global fungal event um, that, to put it in the crudest, and I mean the crudest possible terms, is going to turn a very significant percentage of the population into zombies. Um, not quite zombies, but something I think for if you haven't played the game, you haven't watched the show yet, if you want to know what, what's going here, that will be one way of giving you some context for this. Um, although I think it's a real oversimplification of it too. And the game begins with that day unfolding, things starting to turn south, us hearing signs that things are not going well out there in the world. And then with those three characters I mentioned, fleeing off into the night in their car, just trying to find a way to escape. I believe it's Austin that they, they end up driving into, right? It is Austin. Correct. And from there, chaos ensues because they're not the only people to have had this idea. Um, the streets of Boston are, are of Austin are already overrun when infected. We'll get to Boston in a moment. <laughs> and I mean, am I spoiling the thing that happens at the start of the game and 25 minutes into the episode? Is that a spoiler? It kind of uh, is a spoiler. If I... you if you haven't watched the episode, yeah, I don't yeah, you have to say spoiler warning, but it's also essential in talking about the show in general. So I, I say go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I would really, really strongly because this is not like so massive ordeal. And we're like, oh, it's a two and a half hour movie. And I'm saying spoiler warning and you should dip out now and come back. Just pause and go and watch the episode and come back after this, because, yes, it's something that happens at the very beginning of the show, but it shapes the entire story throughout it's really the main theme of the story. They're the main themes, plural, all come from that. And I think it's very well handled in the game and it's very well well handled in the show that you won't necessarily see it coming in a signposted way. So this is a spoiler warning. If you haven't played the game, if you haven't watched the first episode yet, if you don't know what I'm talking about, please stop listening now. Go check it out and come back. Sarah dies, Andrew. Joel's daughter gets shot pretty brutally, ruthlessly, um, and dies in his arms. It seems like they have found a way to escape. They encounter uh, a man in military garb communicating with some sort of superior and having got injured in a car crash, a lot goes on. 
uh, Sarah is bleeding. She's not able to walk of her own accord. And yeah, I guess it looks pretty suspicious, a little bit scary in those times. So the soldiers instructed to just kill them. And he shoots. Joel kind of dives out of the way and tries to push Sarah out of the way. But she is shot. She is killed. And from there, the story just takes a major leap forward. Now, I haven't gone to the game yet today to actually be like, exactly how far forward was it? In the show, it goes 20 years, which is a lot. And it's honestly too much because it makes Joel and it makes Pedro Pascal 56. Um, which is slightly puzzling. And the only purpose it seems to serve is that opposed to when this game came out in 2013 and they they fast forwarded to 2013, they are now doing that to the current day. But making Joel 56 does kind of reframe almost everything about his character and about his physicality and also... I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong here. Uh, I don't believe Pedro Pascal is 56. He's uh, 47. I already looked into this because I had the same thoughts. So going on the 2013 that it would have been, I mean, is the perfect jump. It's it's completely right for when they were filming this. I don't know why you can't set this in 2013. That is not really that much of a period setting. Um, I'm trying to grasp if there is a particular like we get a we get a shot in the classroom of George W. Bush as president. And I'm trying to work out really if there's any need for that. Like it where the we need to root this moment in 2003 for the larger story. I don't think there is. So it's not really something that I think is gonna be a factor where we're gonna care about it beyond this. I just thought it's a choice that I, I couldn't immediately make sense of why you're essentially adding an extra 10 years on and you're you're making Joel that age. And also, as a result, you're separating Ellie further from when this broke out in terms of her generation as well. So, interesting. Um, one, of, one of the things that really just kind of jumped out to me is I was like, oh, that's a, like, you've made a very clear choice there. Cool. I support and embrace that if you're going to adapt it into a TV series. I just don't know why exactly. Like, is that just purely some executive was like, people need to feel like this is 2023, like this could happen to us right now. I don't know. Or was it something that they thought you can't set an event like this in a pre-COVID time now? I, I'm i not entirely sure, but something that did stick out to me and immediately I was dealing with the map and I was like, he's 56. Yeah, I had the same thought, and even I, you know, have less of a, a relationship with the game, so I don't know how it's going to change the emotional tenor of his character down the line. But the funny part is that just the the versatility of Pedro Pascal's ruggedness when they're sitting around the breakfast table, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm turning 36." I was like, "Yeah, okay, you know, yeah, hard, yeah. hard life, whatever it may be." And then when he believe it more than 56, to be honest. But st- but even so, when he's got his gray hair and he's dropping bodies into the uh thing i'm like yeah sure you know but he, he's he's handling all of this uh emotional repression well he looks great <laughs> he's, he's still he's 56 and he's still hot as ever he's aging like brad pitt <laughs> so that is essentially a prologue under- to the game and and that is to me where the first episode should have ended i just no doubt or like such a strong ending 
and the kind of ending that is going to get people like, holy shit, like, and it's a classic kind of shows often do that for an opening episode where you think one thing, but the rug is really pulled out from under you. And that sets you off on your expectations for the show. I mean, technically, all of that still happens in the first episode, but I don't think it does itself massive favors by creating that distance for what your final impression is of the opening episode. I think the opening episode, to get out in front of it, I think it's good. I think it's very solid, and I'm very optimistic about where this show is going. But I also think it would have been much more impressive if it ended there. And it would have packed a punch. I even like some of the details with the neighbors. Um, what was that guy's name? Uh, Buddy Garrity, wasn't it? In Friday Night Lights, who you can you barely—I don't know if he even gets a close-up, really. But no, it's he was tough almost, times for for Buddy uh, Garrity there. Unrecognizable. I can't remember the actor's name, but uh, is that is that his name? I'm remembering the character name right. That's that's the character name. I used to know the actor's name. Uh. Uh, Brad Leland. Yep, uh, that is him. And I, I, I. Before you finish that thought, I just want to say, I had no not or I had no anticipation for where this should end, but I just feel like it was a missed opportunity to, and like one of my one of my things that I complain about with TV is just like there's room where you have to add in filler that doesn't necessarily pay off at any point but i think more character building and dropping you into the early prologue of the world and we get to know him and sarah even more and like the little details around town and the the characters like you were talking about uh the neighbors and just building out 2003 austin right as this thing is about to happen and then you get get that abrupt abrupt door shutting on that world and then the next episode opens with whatever's next 2013 2023 i do think it lands a lot harder and is also a, a richer story but i i'm i don't doubt that it'll continue to pick up steam and be fine but i just agree with your larger point we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use indeed the better it gets Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think this is probably a stupid question. I know the answer to it, but it's the first episode of a show, so I'll ask it in case. Did you watch the first episode of Station Eleven? Have you seen any Station Eleven? I have not. A very good show, a show that I don't think I liked as much as Consensus. Um, and maybe part of that is I was bowled over by the opening episode of that show. And there are very much common elements there's some shared dna here between the two shows they're exploring their subject matters in a very different way but there are, there are some commonalities there 
Um, and its first episode is just this great example of like the episode before the world ends and kind of situating that and getting to know people, but then also giving you the moments when stuff is really beginning to kick off, like we get here. It was one of those things for me, though, where I just think like we we often talk about TV and not always in the most flattering sense in terms of what you do with it as a medium. And I think I would respond better to a lot of modern TV. And I think it's something that's changed in the past 15 years because binge watching destroyed episodes. It destroyed the episodic structure. TV just became, oh, we just need to find spots to break this up between you watching it for six hours or eight hours in a row. But if I was thinking of The Last of Us, the most obvious like episodic thing is, okay, well, you've got the prologue. That's episode one. And I listened to the official HBO uh, companion podcast uh, earlier today, which is interesting. Maybe not exciting, but interesting. So it's hosted by Troy Baker and... Um, the actor, voice actor who plays Joel in the games. And it's him talking to the creators and showrunners, Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann every week. And one of the things that came up is that they originally had two more episodes in their season structure. And episode one ended at the moment we're talking about. And episode two is a separate thing. And HBO gave them the notes of, no, no, we think that should all be one. And I I don't understand that. I, I just don't know why. I don't think it's going to be important in the larger scheme of things, but I I think for someone who maybe hasn't encountered this before, one, not giving them like an hour and 20 minutes to start with, I think there's something to be said for that, for being really punchy with it. And I think a lot of this stuff, that, like with the neighbors, things that aren't even really in the games, I mean, you get a couple of moments, like the dog jumping up on the door and things like that. But some of the tension and some of the filmmaking is really, really strong around that too, where even I know where things are going, but it was working on me. I'm watching it and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is this is pretty eerie. This is pretty creepy. It's it's doing what it should do for a viewer in, in this spot. And yeah, I'll to, to give credit, I think that bodes well. The fact that it's able to do that in that moment from the jump, I think bodes well for what should be some of the really fun sequences and episodes to come. Um, but that surprised me a little bit. Before we move on to the second part of the episode or anything else specifically there, one thing I was thinking about a lot, and you did you did play the very beginnings of the game, so you'll know it yourself. So that, that car sequence and into Austin and all of the play there is very propulsive and gripping and entertaining and really drops you into the world in a way that's very, very interesting and effective. Like, it just, it all, it works, and it gets... While you're playing the game, I guess it gets your your adrenaline going, your blood pumping to the point where um, you're more primed emotionally than for the downbeat that's to come. It, it's getting you to a place where you're really invested in that in a different way. And the show so far, and honestly, I think we'll probably see this continue, is very, very loyal to the structure of some of those set pieces and to how exactly they play out in an almost beat-for-beat fashion. I cannot believe I didn't recognize in the game. I like I just it, maybe it's just when I'm playing a game, my brain takes into a different mode. That that sequence is a ripoff of the car sequence in Children of Men. 
I just I can't believe it. And when I seen it on screen and it's pretty well staged and it works well, I think within the episode, but it actually didn't work anywhere near as well for me as it did in the game. Cause I was like, this is kind of like a shitty children of men car sequence here. We need like Quran in there to direct this and to really kind of ratchet up. We need that camera spinning around. And I just, that was one thing where I've been thinking about it quite a bit since just in this idea of something that works in a game. And when you bring it to the screen of how it takes on a completely different meaning and you view that like they're nearly identical shot for shot, identical, but one plays very well in the game. And I think the other one on screen, there's sort of a, for me, and I'm very much aware of speaking for me, I have an expectation or instantly I have a different frame of reference and comparison point where I'm like, that's cool and all, but there's a better way to do that sequence. There's a more thrilling way in a cinematic, televisual, whatever word you want to use sense to capture that exact sequence. I don't know, am I crazy or does that make any sense at all that when you see something that is really effective and I like very much in the game and I think it works in the show, but all of a sudden this thing is, it's TV, it's movies, it's there and that kind of crossover form, like the visual language, then your brain is rewired and you're you're looking for something slightly different from it than you once knew of and accepted of it. Yeah, I think. Uh, so what I'm going to say sounds meaner than what you just said, but I don't mean it in, in that way, because I had a similar thought, but the way my mind kind of walk down that path as it was happening is I felt like it was the best version of like one of those like immersive rides at Universal where they like put you in the movie scene so especially when they're like getting the truck into reverse and everyone's running that's what it felt like so it didn't it, it well, have I'm you not seen Children of Men by the way or have you seen it recently not recently at all Um, but I've seen it Uh, so not to so i'm not necessarily having that direct point of comparison but it just is the the way it does feel like gamified to an degree to where it, something's just slightly off i'll go back on youtube and watch that uh sequence for children oh, yeah. when we... you can't go wrong i mean anyone who hasn't seen and if you're into this I again, I think like broader ideas and kind of subject matter. It was like at that moment, I was like, How the hell have I never thought of this? That clearly, like Neil Druckmann must have seen Children of Men and be like, Holy shit, I want to make a game that's kind of it's doing some of that. It's in that world. And it's kind of, I mean, there are plenty of iconic sequences from that film, but for me, anyway, the most iconic is the sequence with the car. And you've just got kind of other cars involved, you've got kind of chases, you've got people running. It's it's dealing with a lot of that kind of energy that certainly comes to the fore there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's it's it's definitely one where I was kind of like, oh, oh, right. And maybe it's just one again to go back to the conversation at the start. It's like it doesn't happen very often that games get made into something that one honestly has kind of really meaningful care or attention to detail or ideas behind it that has someone like HBO investing in a big way and putting it in a kind of prime time premium spot in their schedule and in their wider plans. 
so maybe it's just like it never it never occurs to me otherwise but it was very much one of those things of okay well this is for as cinematic as the game is like describing a game as cinematic one is unfair because you're bringing a completely different medium instead of tools into it and i do that because that's the form of media i respond to most but it's also you just you can't rewrite one just straight for the other and it it takes a level of creativity and it takes some good understanding and from all of the early reviews i say early reviews a lot of critics have seen every episode of this series it pulls that off it, it clearly isn't afraid to be like well this is a tv show the pairing of someone who is a successful tv showrunner plus the creator and director of the game is also an interesting one where you should in theory be able to get that balance be able to make that work out um but just a sequence that like from the moment i heard this show was going to happen i've been looking forward to and i enjoyed it when i saw it, but i also my brain was just kind of firing off in other directions where i'm like oh this is this is good and it is what i expected but it's also when i see it like this it's just it's making me re kind of consider what it is and how it could function in this space. And I guess that's uh, both a strength and a weakness from where I'm going to be coming from for the rest of this season, because I don't have a point of comparison to not necessarily be disappointed by, but to be putting these two mediums up against one another and, judging them based on the one that I experienced first. Uh, you answered a question I had for you, uh, so we don't need to get into that. What's The question I had was, there: are there any other set pieces that you've imagined, okay, now I'm going to see these uh, on screen, and will they put them, pull oh, them yeah. off? But it sound- oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, there are. There's, <laughs> there's moments in the game that are pretty breathtaking. Uh, there's one particular sequence in the game, one... I, I guess to to change the to change up the language to something that is a little bit more fitting for it. It's essentially a level in the game which is just absolutely fucking terrifying. Just proper jump scares, but also incredibly difficult. It 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 will bring me out in sweats to think about when I was first playing it and trying to work it out now, Andrew. And I I think. Again, there's something very cinematic. It will look different. That's something that I've probably come to understand and expect now. But you can absolutely make that work. You can make it work, and I fully expect there will. So there's going to be some really cool stuff in it. I, I think it's something that is nice the game has to work with. Like, the game has moments that are legitimate kind of horror moments without being a horror game. It's very much grounded in humanity. Um. And I think that, again, should in theory convey and translate very, very well to a TV series. So I've I've got great confidence for that. I guess the reason that, that HBO did say, let's put this episode one and episode two together is probably a pretty simple one, which is they've got Bell Ramsey cast as Ellie. Ellie is going to be the figure who is most significant, really, in this entire project that people are going to gravitate to get to know and love and follow her journey um she is really like in she is the center of the story in every level and she was lady uh 
was it Liana Mormont? I'm trying to remember what her it was. was yep. It was Liana, right? Um, yep. On Game of Thrones, everybody absolutely freaked out about this little child and how how bold and brave she was as this kind of fearsome leader standing up in a room of so many powerful figures and characters in the world of Game of Thrones. Um, kind of interesting, just as a, like, she essentially became a meme. Like, her character became a meme, but she became a meme to the point where it worked in that she gets cast for a role a few years later which is very much, oh, really sharp-tongued, strong, feisty, young female character. Um, I'm guessing the notes from HBO where you can't have the opening episode of this show and not have that character in it. And that's the reason they do it. I would argue that's a misunderstanding of the impact that Ellie has because I mean, she doesn't need to in the first episode because he has a daughter in the first episode and she comes to be the daughter figure. And you have to see some of the kind of the wrestling with that again, a 20 year gap does change some of that. It just, it does change the, uh, I think even sort of the emotional backdrop to some extent, not entirely of course, but this was a piece of casting. I mean, overall the casting, you hear Pedro Pascal, he wasn't really what I had in my head for Joel. But I love Pedro Pascal. He's working quite a lot and being very successful in doing so. Um, He literally has another show where he is kind of the guardian of a young, memeable, childlike figure um, in The Mandalorian and has done that to great success, regardless of how often he may actually be under the suit of armor as opposed to just in a voice studio um, recording his dialogue. He looks great. Particularly when we go 20 years later and the gray specs came in his hair, I was like, oh, holy shit, this actually does work. Like, he he is Joel in a way that wasn't even quite as apparent to me when, yeah, he was younger in it. That works. I'm there for it. Okay. I was... I what like Bella Ramsey is clearly a very good actress and was great on Game of Thrones. So when she got cast, I was like, okay, there's definitely worse ways to take this. She looks unbelievably young to the point where it's very difficult to wrap your head around now. The fact that she is 19 years of age, she really does look like a young child. Um, that reframes things. Or the last of us in a way that I don't know how comfortable people are going to be with like it's fine right now she's 14 uh, maybe that works by the time a second season comes around then Ellie has gone through a lot that may be something where the casting doesn't feel quite as natural what I will say is very much I guess doing what she did in Game of Thrones her attitude kind of won me over in her scenes in this first episode where I was like Okay, the energy is there. I, I'm I'm starting to get on board with it. It'll be interesting to see as it plays out. I do still think there could be some issues down the road, but maybe it's just a case of the right actor for it. Like this is a part, for example, um, I believe at some point it may be in the movie version, like Caitlin Deaver was someone who was circled for and may have even read for taking meetings. And I think in some ways there's a 
greater physical resemblance or there certainly was kind of at the time where that was and she was a little bit younger with Ellie. I don't know, though, if she would have carried off just the kind of bite that Bella Ramsey has, which could be very, very important here. Uh, I don't know if you had any thoughts or what your first impressions were of our two main characters uh, on this journey. I I think I was uh, all in on most of the major casting choices that we saw in episode one. Uh, as you said, Pedro Pascal, anytime he's shows up in anything, I'm going to be probably pretty happy about it. I mean, I loved him in the unbearable weight of massive talent. Uh, he's very good this though. year. I thought he was fantastic last year. Um, yeah, last year. Well, years run. We're in 2023 now. I, I, well, I have homework assignment of my own That's to true. watch uh, 2022 movies after this podcast. So, uh, my mind, my mind is back there. Um, I guess if Pedro Pascal is in a television series, that's one way to get me to see it because The Mandalorian is another show that I'm actually like caught up on uh, with everyone else. So that's a rarity. I think he does bring that uh, edge of stoicism, but also simmering rage and just like there's an emotional well there that can spring at any time. And he showed that in a few different areas obviously his character um carrying a lot of a lot of that baggage that we see in the prologue and the way that his kind of caretaking nature uh returns to him through this journey i i'm guessing is going to be a lot of the emotional storytelling i thought bella ramsey uh the energy and the attitude were great as well and i think that's going to be key moving forward obviously so it seems to be something that's going to work i don't know about future seasons at all that because i haven't played the other games so i can't speak as well to that thought anna torv uh as tess is uh giving that role what it needs there's obviously kind of just a unspoken and a little bit cold uh romance there between joel and tess and yeah n- never really clear in the games that's um yeah so that's and interesting. From episode one, it's like it's there. And again, on that official podcast I listened to, it was kind of made clear. Yeah, we're not doing anything more than that with that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it should be clear to people that there is some sort of romantic relationship there, but also one that is very much in fitting with those two characters and how they carry themselves. Yeah, it feels very much. And this is through the performances there that there's, you know, reading between the lines, there's care and loyalty there more than some kind of just like big love story it's like we're here in this situation and we might as well go through it together yeah but born born out of the situation which is probably something that maybe it's just like maybe they felt like they dropped some more breadcrumbs down in the games too but makes sense like kind of forced companionship and maybe it makes even more sense if you do 20 years later where it's like, yeah, for all these people to like <laughs> to be just hanging in there at all mentally, they're they're gonna need something. They're gonna need to find some kind of people that there can be some level of relationship, there could be some level of understanding with, because otherwise you're looking over your shoulder for uh for the fungus coming to get you, Andrew. You're looking over your shoulder for everyone else, for all the humans out to get you in this kind of new very um i guess sharp tooted 
civilization that has sprung out from these circumstances that some even very very ice cold semblance of warmth and relationship is is probably makes sense well it makes a ton of sense and it makes uh, in my mind i was instantly comparing it to a show i did not watch all of but it's when Lori and Shane start getting together in Walking Dead. I can't remember what season that is. And it's just like, this just does not, like, you're in a zombie apocalypse. This is not, like, the tenor of what a relationship would look like. And a lot of times on that show, it's just so strange. And this feels just like the coldness there I, I'm i really here for. And I think it just... It's like everyone's it dead inside at this point. Is really exactly. Exactly. And I think that's what I'm looking for for all of these performances for the characters that we know have lived through everything up to this point is a degree of dead insideness. Whereas I get, well, I, I mean, honestly, if you were born into this world as well, I imagine uh, that that's good. It's like the post social media age of uh, generation. It's ex- <laughs> except this time it's, you know, fungus that's here to kill us. Right. Ellie's like TikTok generation is, is essentially what's, what's going on. Exactly. There. Exactly. Uh, interestingly, you mentioned The Walking Dead. It was probably interesting. It's the first time it's come up, though we've taken this long. It's probably because I don't have a whole lot of good feeling towards that show and what it became. I watched at least the first three seasons or four seasons. I mean, when it first came out, and the Frank Darabont of it all, and really in a entirely different age for TV, uh, was a big deal. I think the first season was pretty good, and they had this problem of, you know, uh, where do you go? How do you keep this thing going? Which... As a general rule on TV, once you start asking yourself that, you should finish it. That seems to be the way that should play out. This is something that we know it's going to be two seasons. Guess it's not impossible if Naughty Dog make another game at some point that an additional season could happen way down the line. Um, but I've seen already just like I've seen tweets or replies to reviews of tweets and people are like, oh, this just seems, it's not just The Walking Dead, and I really cannot stress enough that this is not The Walking Dead. Um, I The weight of what is being explored here is very, very far removed from that. Also, I think just, like, The Walking Dead is a show about zombies. This is a show about humans trying to, like hold on to some semblance of their humanity and of their their instinct to love or be decent in a world where they could be a zombie at any moment. I, I do think you could say, oh, well, both are present in each show, but there there is a difference there. Um, I, I shouldn't say in each show because, Andrew, I have seen one episode of this show, but I, I know how this story plays out, at least in its broadest strokes. And unless they do something really drastic, I, I think that will probably show out by the time it's finished. Also, I think people who watch TV will understand that being able to uh, tell a story like this on HBO is very different from doing it on AMC? Walking Dead, right? Uh, yes, AMC. Um, how are you feeling overall about this, though? Because I, I don't, like, this is not a, to the earlier point, I think they, this could have been a much more powerful episode if they finished at the earlier point, or if they decided to flesh out that part of the episode and leave what follows for week two. 
Um, I I was quite happy with it. I was like, I feel like it's in good hands and they're going to do a good job of this. Didn't hurt that I saw, uh, I watched it on HBO Max and then the kind of in the next few weeks or something they had rather than just next week on. I was like, oh, but you were getting some of the really kind of broad um, dystopian deserted cityscapes, which are they honestly looked like they're lifted right out from the game. And to me are some of just the most magical elements of the game is how these cities are reformed, reshaped, how the characters navigate through them and how I guess society crumbles and rises up in different ways in those spaces too. I'm very, very excited to kind of see all of that on screen in a way that it actually seems like they're going to do some justice to it, whether it's um, Boston at the moment and it's Salt Lake City is another place we'll certainly see, and uh, Wyoming, and then into season two, Seattle is pretty breathtaking, and I already was into that in the game. It's funny you say that because I didn't know it was going to. Uh, I didn't know you were going to say that because I was going to say something that might have been a spoiler. Because I know I know we get we get a a stroll into the Seattle Seahawks stadium or something at some point if I remember watching my brother play that correctly. Yeah, I'm trying to think um, now off the top off the top of my head, like to what extent is it like the Seattle Seahawks stadium? Um, but yeah, we certainly are in a football stadium at some point. I, I won't even my, I won't mention other places this show goes because in particular season two really would probably be spoiler territory. But um, it, it it's kind of it was one of the things that I always enjoyed when you get to a new location. I felt like okay, there is real real care into shaping it into what its form would look like in this world and to explore that was fun exploring with the characters should be fun as long as they don't fall into the traps where it's like i i have seen some not really any tv critics criticize it for this probably because they have had access to more than one episode but i've seen just some some randomers online and you'd be like it just feels too much like a game like it feels right we've just we're seeing him get a mission and carry out a mission and it's going to be a to b and they need to ditch like game like storytelling i think that's probably an overreaction at this point a little bit harsh we'll see as it continues um but that doesn't seem to be from a lot of tv critics who i really respect hasn't been something that's come up of like oh this isn't being told like tv is being told i'm guessing look i i probably talked on this podcast about my feelings with the whole chernobyl venture at the time but uh, that show seemed like something that everyone thought was really good. A lot of people liked, so I think Craig Mazin at least knows what a TV show is. Were you not a fan? I I didn't watch it. I I thought it was bizarre. I it's a I think there's a there's a proximity element to that. If I didn't talk about this before, like kids from Chernobyl used to come and stay with host families in Ireland um, in the 90s where the idea of Chernobyl as a TV show uh, in spite of like not not being made in an exploitative way or not being made is uh, it's still just it grossed me out I just thought it was super fucking weird uh, but I, I understood that particularly in the US there's a really strong reaction to it where I don't know what the general awareness of Chernobyl would have been so there, there's something entirely different, but 
yeah, I know people who went to like rebuild stuff not far beyond Chernobyl and yeah, there would I would have had a general awareness as a kid of oh that, you know, friend of a friend they're taking these kids who are from that area for like two or three months. So uh, always there's just a kind of a much more not like it's right on my doorstep, but there was a proximity thing that when a TV series called Chernobyl being made about the disaster um sure it's about the processes and the kind of the failings and the bureaucracy and everything else but still i found that a pretty weird venture but i know that that doesn't even factor in for other people because their first contact with it may literally have been the tv series i get that uh never seen it obviously uh but Ty had the way you were asking me and i actually when i said that in the first place I thought that might have been like right back at the tail end of when you used to watch the TV. It, it was close, but that makes a lot of sense. It's like if someone was like, they're coming out with a 10 episode 9-11 show and I'd be like, ah, I'm good. I'm going to pass on this. Um, yeah, it'd be, like, it'd be me. probably like if like the BBC were making the 9-11 series, you know, you'd be like, yeah, OK, sure. They do good stuff, but interesting. They're deciding to do this, you know, it, just slightly weird anyway that's a that's a side note and a tangent but my point is like that show was very critically acclaimed i did see an episode or so it was not shoddily made it had a great cast i i think this whole venture is in capable hands like i'm I'm not concerned about being like this doesn't know how to be a tv show it is only a game yeah and to answer your original question, um, I'm optimistic about where it's going, and I don't have the full-on having played both games aspect that a lot of people that have been anticipating this have. Um, but I enjoyed the first episode. I think it's well cast. To your point, it's got people running the show that seem to know what they're doing. And I think people like you and my brother and the aforementioned Brian would not be yelling at me to play this game. That's a lot of or... important people in your life, Andrew. They're, they're, that's like it's a cross-section of people who tell you to do things as well. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's you who I talk to twice a week about the Brewers and movies. It's the best man in my wedding and a friend who's I've been the best man in their wedding. So it's a lot of important people just being like, The Last of Us is pretty good. You should check this out. And for you in general, like... If you're getting a DM from me, it's probably about the Brewers or something in world football. If I'm getting a DM from you, it's probably about uh, some sort of movie casting news or some this, sort of... This is uh... this is a gross oversimplification of our friendship at this point, but go on, continue. No, yeah, but you know what I mean. And also just like, you know, the trials and tribulations of life. Of, of life, uh, for sure. <laughs> but, but for you to, at the time when you're playing it, be DMing me about how amazing this game is and how it's going to be a topic of conversation on a podcast episode, that's how I know you really mean it because you wouldn't do anything that dare take my attention away from seeing a movie I need to see unless it was really worth it. So long way away of answering that question. I trust all the people involved, the people that are making the show and the people that are telling me this game gets to places that is as riveting as anything they've ever played and or seen before. For sure. I I look like... there's games I've loved, like to in a completely different. I don't know if we've ever talked about this. I don't know if you ever played them. Um, Sony Spider-Man games are amazing. 
if you want to just have like the most fun possible, like you could play that for a long time. I love playing those games in recent years. But I don't know if I'd ever be like if I if I mess you once being like, have you ever played Spider-Man? It's amazing, that would be it, right? As opposed to you need to you need to play this. Like there isn't the same urgency to it. There's like it's like, oh, it's really, really good and it's cool for what it is, uh, and it's a lot of fun. But this, yeah, it's something that I guess I responded to in a different way. And yeah, I shared with you, and much to my disappointment, I kept hearing about the motion sickness, hearing about the motion sickness. We're going to have to tackle it still. Maybe the show itself can get you to do it. Like Maybe that will be the fun thing we could do if we do find ourselves compelled to talk about this regularly, whether it's week to week, every couple of weeks, check-ins, whatever, across the course of the season. it could end up an interesting thing to be like comparing progress of, well, is Andrew, is Andrew up to where the, the show is this week, which I'm going to guess is not going to happen because you don't have that much time in your hand and I'm going to need you to watch movies. Uh, but we'll see. I, I'd take the answer to that being no all throughout. If the end, you're like, you know, that I am going to play this game now. And by the time season two comes around, I'm going to, I'm going to know what's what. I am going to play it, but I need to get some stuff done in the next week, so I'll re-download Medical it. procedures? <laughs> uh, hopefully. Uh, a- anything that keeps me from having to work a 9-to-5. You're not um, ready I'll for go. the Season 2 discourse if you don't play the game first, because it's a story for another time, but The Last of Us Part 2 is not universally popular, um, oh. to say the least, uh, in spite of being very critically acclaimed. We'll get there if we get to, you know, get through this and we get to season two or if you play the game, you you can dip your toe in all of that discourse. You're going to love it, Andrew. Trust me. That, uh, oh, was that, was that the game? This could be, this could be a spoiler. This could be a spoiler. So whatever you're going to say, you can say it after the episode. No, 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 it's not a spoiler. It's, it's very general term. So it won't be anything like that. But the Uber driver told me it was too woke and he had to stop playing it. Is is it related to that? Possible, yes, possible. And I and I was like, "Cool, man, one star." Uh, but anyway, um, only one star review I've ever given on an Uber. But he said a lot of weird stuff. Anyway, uh, something I'll announce to the listeners. That wasn't that uh, wasn't the Spielberg Uber driver. It wasn't the no, 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 the guy. No, 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 no. He's a big Amistad guy. I gave him. Five Sorry, stars. Amistad. That's right. Yeah, he, okay. he was he was a nice enough guy. Just I. Just had only seen one movie in his life, uh, but claimed to be a fan of cinema. I'll announce to the <laughs> listeners that listened to our Lord of the Rings House of the Dragon episode. I did not watch more than another half of a Lord of the Rings episode. I completed House of the Dragon, was in on most of it. That's not going to happen to me with The Last of Us. I'm in from this initial uh, starting point, and I feel good about it going forward. And you know what? I'll this weekend you know play the game a little bit after after watching some uh basketball and going to to see a movie and then I'll, I'll throw it on sunday night to fight my sunday scaries and then i'll get even more scared from what i've seen um or from what i understand the longest episode of the season is the first one that you've seen so that's i believe there's like some 44 46 minute episodes cons always good when tv shows do that some real talent involved here. I have not seen a full list a list of directors paired with episodes they're directing, which is kind of a little bit curious. Um, one of the things I'd been really excited for for this series was 
Um, Kantemir Balagov had been attached to direct, a Russian-born filmmaker who directed Beanpole in 2019, a film that on a podcast back then, Andrew, I would have talked about end of the year. Um, I think probably just was outside my top 10, but a really special film. He's unbelievably talented. He's like 31. The kind of person who just would make you and I feel miserable about like, oh, look at all this guy is doing at this age. And where are we? What are we doing? Um, he was attached I don't, I don't to direct. need any help feeling miserable, Adam, but go on. <laughs> he was attached to direct. I think he was supposed to direct the pilot. And I thought he was directing later in the series. And I just saw today that actually... Um, he announced himself a few months ago that he left you to creative differences. So that was disappointing. Uh, Ali Abbasi is another very high-profile art house director, um, the director of Border and most recently Holy Spider, a film that I'm looking forward to seeing later this week. Um, who else? There's um the director of. Kovadi Saida, uh, Jasmila Zabanic, the Bosnian director, she was also attached to direct. Again, I have not seen a full list of directors matched with episodes for this first season. Maybe some of that isn't true, but this was a show I was really excited about that then started going out and picking off like the best young international art house directors. And I was like, holy shit, like what is this? Is this just made for me? Is this like my brain is putting this series together at that point? So I do hope at least some of that is um carrying over and that going into a second season that they continue to make really interesting directing choices like that because just not all that common for um big American TV shows. But all of that to say, I think there's a lot here that's really interesting and as a project. I think dealing with strong source material, but also... I have a lot of confidence in what it seems like the approach taken this has been. So I'm excited to keep watching. We'll see how it goes and we'll pick our spots. We've got uh, a couple of pretty notable movie episodes coming up in the next few weeks. I will finally get to see Babylon. So our next episode next week. We'll be on Babylon and the films of Damien Chazelle. The following week, I will finally get to see Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. I've been holding out. Could have gone all sorts of illegal routes and watched it at home, but I was like, Steven Spielberg, I'm going to see your movie in a theater. Finally get to see that. I guess we'll talk Spielberg more generally. We'll talk with The Fablemans. Two movies that Andrew, he's just, he's got in... Like, they're in the chamber. They're ready, waiting to go. Um, He's had the head start on me, which doesn't happen too often, and I think messes with your head in all kinds of interesting ways when it does happen. We've gone through the full, I feel, cycle and swathe of emotions of, am I going to like the films or hate the films? Because you get enough time to kind of try and play that game. So I'm excited to actually see them and find out where I land. Yeah, I'm excited for that, too. Uh, I'm not quite in the Babylon Hive, but I'm in I the, think you were more ba- in it last week, from what I, what I guess. Uh, I'm, I'm not in the Hive, but I'm in the... It's worth your time, and it's a big swing that succeeds in a lot of areas, fails in some areas, and overall is uh, something that I appreciate Damien Chazelle for doing. And the Fableman just keeps 
keeps going up in my mind over time. I think it's it's uh, another another win for Spielberg. And then Adam, maybe in a few weeks, I haven't talked to you about this. Maybe we talked to some of the other guys, and I I was worried that. 2022 albums i had not done enough music last year and then i was putting th- things together uh this guy this of week. course you've done enough this is, uh, this is what i want to hear and i've got a i've got a pretty solid top five cooking so i've got albums ready to go i just need podcasts and partners i've got albums i've got tv shows i could probably expand it to other pop culture things i definitely don't have five books this year i think that was something i planned on having and i didn't get to um but i've definitely music tv shows i believe uh you know former guest regular menace has volunteered that he's gonna come on and help me with tv shows because we know you're not gonna do that one but if you're down for albums and we can get albums and tv shows i'd be very happy with that before we get to our best of 2022 movies which not to scare you too much andrew but is gonna come up on us pretty quickly at this point yeah, uh, I'm 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 working on it. I'm gonna I'm gonna get back in the trenches as soon as we uh, get off this podcast. But you know, I'm I looking actually, forward to some. You know what I should say? Because we're gonna have another episode. It's either gonna be a part of one of those episodes. There's no way we're just gonna let it go. Um, undiscussed. The announcement for the nominees for the. The Oscars will be next week. So that may be if we've done our Babylon podcast before that. And that could be that we'll do a second one later in the week where maybe we talk Oscar nominees and maybe episode two of The Last of Us if we if we like what we see there. That's a that's a good idea. I'm looking forward to it. My 2023 resolutions play more golf. Watched over 200 movies for the like seeing the movie for the first time, preferably uh, either catching up for this previous year or uh, watching something that's released in this year. So I get ahead just, of things. I don't I don't care then, how it happens. Just make it happen. It, if it's 200 movies, first time watches, I'll tip my hat. I'll be very that's, happy. That's that's my goal. And also to read more. I'm like 75 pages into the Phil Mickelson book now. And man. I won't spoil anything. Turns oh, I, out, yeah, I got about seventy-five pages that I stopped. So if I'm gonna have a resolution, it should be to just not read like the first four or five chapters of a book and then just forget to finish it. You and me both, buddy. Turns out he's a bit of an asshole sometimes. Who would have known that? Complicated guy, um, Phil Mickelson. Anyway, if we start finishing books, maybe there can be podcasts where we talk about things related to books. The Make Time until, for this Book Club. <laughs> until then, though, you're going to have to settle for movie talk, for TV talk, and uh, for talking music, I guess, coming soon. Andrew, the music guy, to nobody's surprise, is like, oh, I actually do have five albums I like, so I'm excited for that. None of them um, are Taylor Swift. None of them? No, she didn't make the top five. Even more excited for that. Uh, that's probably good for the sake of the podcast. If you like what we do, I'm going to tell you how you can get us in all kinds of different ways. But first and foremost, Repot. You've heard in our recent episodes, if you've listened, um, we have a new community. We have them really across the entire Eurostep podcast network, whether you listen to books, pods, brewers, pods, packers, pods, or us talk pop culture here and make time for this. Um, We're using 
new platform, a new app called Repod, which is essentially designed for greater conversation back and forth between us and the listeners, for people to be able to weigh in on what they liked about an episode, what we were talking about, or what they liked about an episode that we talked about in an episode, I guess, in this case. If you want to share your thoughts on anything we're talking about and kind of have some back and forth with us, it's a great place to go and do it. If you go to joinrepod.com forward slash make time for this, you'll find us there. We post every episode up. Feel free to jump in. Any strong feelings, let us hear them. Good, bad, let's talk through it all. Joinrepod.com forward slash make time for this. If they're bad, maybe just direct them specifically to Andrew. That's all I'll say. Looking at his face right now, I think that might be the move there. Of course, you should also subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. On top of that, you've got the Eurostep Podcast Network, the main feed, home to the Eurostep and Win in Six podcasts, covering all things Milwaukee books. It's a bit more of a slog than usual at the moment. The watching books, listening to books, talking books, but we're all getting through it together. That's so you get lots of books, content. Uh, talking to Tundra will be back soon to talk all things Green Bay Packers. And Andrew and I, we are we are motoring along. We can almost see the season upon us. The Milwaukee Brewers, they'll be back before you know it. Cruising for bruising is not just still going strong. It's genuinely going stronger than ever. So more talk of the Brewers coming later this week. I can smell the dirt, Adam. Sure, me too. That's pretty much it. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.